What are you doing? I'm watching Ashes to Ashes. Really? Well, yeah. I just wanted to see what all the fuss is about. So, it's nearly supper time at our house and my wife's Tabiso and I usually make something to eat together. How did you get it on your laptop to start with? I just googled it and found this Eon Demand thing on the ETV website. And they've got the first episode available to watch online, so... Yeah. Shall I come help you? No, no. Carry on with your research. I'm nearly done anyway. We don't own a TV and everything we watch is on demand. We're certainly not into soap operas or, in this case, to be technically accurate, telenovelas. But I've ignored the hype long enough. Time to have a squiz at what everyone's talking about. I'm Andile Masubu, and this is my take on ETV's Ashes to Ashes. So like 15 minutes into the episode, my mind was flooded with thoughts like, Wait, what? Why am I uncomfortable watching this right now? Is this a far-fetched portrayal of real life or just an unfortunate depiction of reality? Wait. Do I know these people? Why do we as black folks struggle with the concept of legacy? Hi, boy. For real? What the heck? Uh Uh-uh. Now, I don't imagine for a second that this podcast will answer any of these questions to my satisfaction or yours. You ain't got the answers, man! You ain't got the answers, Sway! There is some satisfaction to be had, though, in airing out my thoughts and hopefully sparking some meaningful conversation. So, let me bring you up to speed real quick, in case you aren't familiar with South Africa's TV scene. So ETV's Ashes to Ashes is the first local series to go head-to-head with SABC One's monster soap opera, Generations, which up until recently enjoyed ratings dominance at 8pm. Actually, more like absolute ratings dominance. By an insane margin, Generations was the biggest TV show in SA, period. But the firing of most of the show's cast some months back, following a standoff over pay, and relaunching the show with a new storyline and new characters, didn't go down too well for some of the show's diehard fans. This left the door wide open for ETV to plot a coup. A rival TV show starring some of Generation's former cast. A drama series called... Ashes to Ashes. Mondays to Thursdays at 8 on E. Now, back to the episode I was watching and what it got me thinking. See, Ashes to Ashes portrays a well-known township family that owns a funeral home and sells funeral policies. Meet the Namane family. In the first episode, the patriarch, founder of the business, played by Patrick Shai, is too busy playing golf to attend a company status meeting, leaving his spoilt brat son, played by Nyani Sotzeze, to manage the business in his absence. A few minutes into the episode, a disgruntled policyholder arrives at the office demanding that they bury his brother. Turns out the man's been paying on his policy for years, making contributions in cash directly to Mr. Namani, who's been pocketing the money to fund his gambling habit. Namani's wife and business co-founder, played by Nambi Tambumluana, is too obsessed with maintaining the family's royalty status in the community to notice the cracks that are starting to show in the business. Meanwhile, their staff is frustrated by the family's careless approach to running the business. Now, watching the Namani family drama unfold on Ashes to Ashes took me back to 2010, back when I presented a business advice show on ETV called It's My Biz. It was called Fix My Biz for the first season, though. The very first business featured on the show was, yes, you guessed it, a funeral parlor based in Soshanguve. Now, while that business didn't quite mirror the hot mess of this ashes-to-ashes situation, I distinctly remember worrying that the business didn't strike me as one that would last for generations. Get that? Generations. (laughs) 
Okay. Thankfully, through some expert interventions, that business owner made drastic changes in the way he ran his business and dodged what seemed at the time to be an inevitable death. <laughs> Get it? Death. No. Good. Overplayed. Moving on. Watching Ashes to Ashes, I realized some of the questions I had about that business remain unanswered. Why do we as black folks struggle with the concept of legacy? It's not a cultural issue. It's not a race thing. It happens in all of them. And I've seen them. I've got black clients. I've got white clients. So this is Peter Carlisle. He's our brilliant family accountant. He's a CA who's run his firm, Carlisle Tax and Financial Services, impeccably for nearly 20 years. I asked him what he makes of the Namane family and if failing to get business right is something unique to disadvantaged black communities. It's unfortunate what happens. I think the owner who starts that entrepreneur, he kind of he grows himself into believing he's God. Not in a, in a religious term. I'm saying he is the almighty. He knows how to do everything. And he has done well. I mean, make no mistake. Which is part of the problem. You can't question the success. You can't question it. And he, and he almost be, becomes, he believes too much in himself. And now you get the young kids coming through and there's this rift and there's a problem. And unfortunately, all too often, some of the kids who come through are, are not as good entrepreneurs, sometimes being a bit too spoiled and not really had that knowledge imparted. Just always looking up at dad saying, dad's a genius. And unfortunately, that breaks down the, the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think that sometimes, all too often, a kid should be forced to go out and learn different ways, even if he's coming to come run dad's company. It doesn't matter. He must go out. So I had a conversation with Selum Tlalosi a short while ago. He's the MD of a financial services firm called Senate, based in the Isle of Man. He's also a CA. We were discussing the mindset of a client he was visiting here in SA, a wealthy family with significant assets and interests, which include a vineyard that's been in the family for generations. He was comparing that family's intuitive understanding of the dynamics of wealth with the faulty mindset in the average middle-class South African. It reminded him of something he experienced on his last day of high school. So I caught him between meetings and asked him to retell the story via Skype. Apologies for the poor sound quality. It starts with uh, educating uh, family members right from a young age to have an appreciation of the, the cost of things and the value of things. And... Um, in a way, one, one example that sticks to my mind was when I was in school and we're finishing off in school on the last day, you used to have a shirt that people could sign on the one you were wearing. Then you'd keep that. But, uh, one of the, one of the guys we went to school with, he came from a very affluent family and was driving a new car and everything else. But, uh, on that last day of school, he refused for us to sign his shirt because it was a Van Eusen shirt. And that always stuck with me, especially now later on in life, to realize that even at 17 or 18, this young fellow had an, a sense of the value of things. And uh, he understood stewardship. Selo is often amazed at how people in Africa's emerging middle class seem to underestimate how well-resourced or wealthy they are. He says that sadly, most people's wealth is accumulated and employed in a disorganized way that doesn't allow for wealth to pass on from one generation to the next. In terms of uh, wealth management, wealth creation, it's important that um, each generation helps the next generation to get onto their to get onto their feet and helps them to be able to um, start generating wealth as well, uh, not just the pr preserving the wealth that's been created by the past generation, but passes on experience and learning and understanding that would help them to be even more successful in the future and build on what the previous generation has done. 
But what about regular folks, though? You know what? Uh, my dad was a civil engineer. Uh, my brother's a, a, a mechanical engineer. So I come from a long line of, uh, of engineers. But I'm the first entrepreneur in the family. My father worked for Joburg City Council as a transportation engineer and very, very rigid, very set in his ways <clears throat> in terms of, of budgeting. Most of what I've learned in the sort of conservative approach that I approach my financial life, I've learned from my father. He's been very careful and my mom. They were very, very careful. And, and I see it with my wife. Um, whose father was perhaps a lot less careful with his money. And in fact, when he finally died, he was fairly broke. He didn't have much. And my wife is unfortunately very similar. She also tends to spend wildly, and I need to hold the reins back. Probably cause more <laughs> more fights and so on between the two of us because we've had, where I'm very set. No, you haven't got money for this, we buy it next month. You don't buy it now. Mm, did I mention that Peter is totally not PC? No? My bad. So we have that conflict, but there's no doubt whatsoever. And you, know, you touched on an issue about cultural issues. You look at a lot of young black guys and I train a lot of black guys and you have a look and you find that there's a very distinct difference often not always but often with between black and white and I, and I believe and I've, and I've spoken to people about it and it's from a young baby when I was a young baby and our little babies we gave them little building blocks a little A and a B and a C and a 1 and a 2 and a 3 by the time that child got to school he could recognize characters he could recognize he could do basic mental or basic arithmetic and so on where a lot of black kids I look at my maid my domestic servant her little daughter gets no stimulation she the first stimulation gets is when she gets to school she's five years behind the average white kid because who's been stimulated at that age and i think that has a lot to do with it that you you do learn from your folks there's no doubt about it and i think unfortunately a lot of financial ill discipline i think amongst a lot of black guys is due to the fact that they haven't been given solid guidance Food's ready, babe. Is it finished? Yep. So, what do you think? Well, let's just say I'm glad our funeral policies are not with them people. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My prediction? Short of a film trick, the Namanis are headed for a spectacular downfall. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm actually rooting for this family not to fall apart. I wish I could disrupt the storyline and arrange coaching sessions for them with Selu or Peter and get them to commit to making changes in their personal or business lives that would see them live happily ever after. But who am I kidding? Ratings would dive and the show would be off air in a month. What I do know is this, their story doesn't have to be my story or yours. Now I know that life isn't fair and we all don't have the advantage of being born Motsepe, Oppenheimer or Dangote surrounded by years of experience in the art of creating and maintaining wealth. But if you have the means to listen to this podcast, then odds are pretty good that you're blessed with enough resources, material and otherwise, to make sure that you leave your mark on the world and leave behind something the next generation will thank you for. Or, at the very least, my hope is that if you choose to tune in to Ashes to Ashes every week, the show will leave you determined to keep that drama where it belongs. On TV. On TV.